Welcome, everyone, to the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast, number 131, and we're recording this on Tuesday, the 17th of March, 2015. You're probably uh, listening to this around about tea time on the Wednesday, and for reasons which become apparent, we want to discuss an article you'll have read this morning or tomorrow morning as we're recording this. Don't worry, it will all become apparent. In the meantime, I have Ray Blanford with me. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's uh, managed to get back to our weekly schedule for this podcast, and we're going to be looking a little bit into the crystal ball, though I think, I think we've also got some apps to round up and maybe uh, look at some of the things from Mobile World Congress as well. So I think it's a bit of a mix and match show, this one, but I think it's going to generate quite a lot of interest just because when we tend to talk about the future device and a few predictions, people always... Uh, Sometimes they get the wrong end of the stick and sort of say we're making guarantees, but this is very much uh, estimates based on some intelligent guesses, I think, Steve. Yes, absolutely. As we record this, actually, on the Tuesday, I did notice that Microsoft uh, announced their Microsoft Hello Authentication System. Basically, it's a, a system for developers and which ties in with uh, hooks in the OS itself, which means that any Windows 10 device... Um, which has an authentication system like, for example, a, a fingerprint sensor or an iris recognition system or whatever, they can all tie into the, the operating system and it will be nicely secure in the same way as perhaps uh, Apple's iOS is, for example, and some, and some of the top-end Android devices. And along those lines, we did promise, Rafe, the, in the last podcast that we would cover what we think the Lumia 940, i.e. the next big Microsoft flagship, will look like and what it will contain. So... If I may, people will have read my own textual predictions on the site uh, this morning as uh, they now listen to this. And if I can just run down some of them, maybe you can. I can stop every now and then and you can give your feedback on whether you think I'm miles off beam or, or not. Um, Windows 10, the Lumi 940, I'm assuming that's the name, that really would it fits all the bill, ticks all the boxes uh, and fits the bill. I think it will be the 940. Windows 10, of course, out of the box. Um, I think it'll be a roughly the same size, shape and form factor as the 930, maybe slightly larger. I do think it'll have uh, no physical controls, there, no capacitive mm. controls. I, th I think they'll go down the line of virtual control, which means they can then fit in a 5.3 inch or maybe 5.4 inch 1080p screen. Uh, rather than the five inches of the 930. Shall I stop there, Ray? You seem to um and ah about the virtual controls. I, I'm I'm not convinced by that. Um, we've seen plenty of devices retain them. And the thing is about the, the screen size, I, I do agree they'll obviously try and maximise the use of the screen. But at the bottom of the device, you do have to have a certain amount of room to put in aerials, to put in uh, display screen components, you know, you look at lots of other devices, you do tend to get the chin on the bottom of devices. And if they don't, they sort of make a, a compromise somewhere else. And I think this is a common mistake that people might make. They kind of assume that the space at the top and the bottom of the device is kind of not being used. And at the top of the device, it's usually fair game because you can see a front facing camera, you know, the uh, loudspeaker and maybe some other sensors. But at the bottom, it tends you know, to be a bit emptier and you see these capacitive buttons people go oh, well, i'd like to take those away and save a bit of space but actually that's quite often where you get some of the uh, braids if you like of the phone and as i say also things like the aerial components which uh, are not small and, and in some cases also uh, as with some of htc's boom sound devices like the uh, windows version you have uh, they've actually got kind of a big uh, empty space there so they can actually have better loudspeakers and some of these uh, components do actually take quite a bit of space so i 
would expect to see it retain the capacity of keys for now. I think that's sort of one of the things that's going to be a hallmark of the higher-end devices. I also think on the screen size, what we may well see is something around the 5-inch mark, but I think we'll also then see a bigger screen, kind of 5.7 inches in a separate device. And so we may end up with something like the 940 and the 940 XL kind of replacing, Ooh. being equivalent to the 930 and the 1520, because we've just kind of seen that with the 16, 640, sorry. And I think we'll see that convention continue. And so you'll effectively get the same proposition in terms of everything else in the device, but there'll be a choice on the screen size. And inevitably, there will probably be some other differences as well. But that would be my bet for kind of the new flagship device. We'll actually see a kind of, you know, a, if you like, a standard size screen and then the phablet size at the same time or in quick succession. So I think as a result, probably we won't see on the, if you like, the standard device, the screen size pushed up that much more from where it is now. Um, but that that's more uh, a gut instinct than any particular, you know, uh, inside knowledge or anything like that. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see, you know, because as I say, effectively, we've had that with the 930 and the 1520. I just think um, we'll see that naming convention bring that a, a bit more formally into line. So don't know. What do you think of that one, Steve? I think that's a jolly good call. I wish I'd thought of it in my article. It's not too late. We're recording this before it goes live. I could change my article. Indeed, you could. <laughs> I did say in my article also that, that I think that uh, Microsoft stroke, stroke Nokia's ex-engineers will also have learned their lesson from all the reviews of the 930, all slamming the fact that it hasn't got this glance screen. I think they will source oh, a absolutely. screen which does have the display memory this time. Yeah, I, I can remember talking to uh, a Microsoft person about this, and they, they basically put their hands up and admitted that it was a mistake. Um, it, it, I think in those cases, uh, people forget how complex the supply chain can be uh, for a, a device like a smartphone and sort of making sure you've got enough of every single component in the screen can be quite difficult. And I suspect in the case of the 930, something just fell over. It wasn't prioritised, you know, maybe fell between the gaps. And it's, it sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but if you think about the number of devices out there and the number of component suppliers, it's easy to see how it might happen. And certainly with, you know, some uh, components actually there in relatively short supply, you know, you see that every time there's a switch over from one technology to another, and that can be about processors. And so, you know, at the moment we're seeing something like the Snapdragon 810 being relatively short supply, but also it's happened in the past with, uh, you know, some of the uh, Nokia devices. And actually, I think it's also some components get locked into kind of exclusivity periods. So we've just had, uh, you know, Microsoft and Nokia do that with its microphones, with their kind of extra range. They have sort of become available on a few other devices, although it does seem to be still something of a kind of a Microsoft exclusive. And similarly, we've seen kind of the better front-facing cameras, the five megapixel ones with the wide-angle lenses. They were only on a certain amount of devices. And uh, I think actually another good example of this is actually... Um, HTC again with its ultra pixel camera. I've actually noticed it's come on to a couple of the Chinese manufacturer um, devices now, and I actually expect to see more of those because it makes a very good front facing camera, um, which probably gives us a, a good opportunity to talk about cameras on the 940. What, what do you expect to see, uh, Steve? <laughs> I know I should separate it what, from what I want to see and what I think <laughs> what I will actually see. I don't good think point. I'll see Zen and Flash much as I'd love to see it. I think it is perceived by Microsoft as too large. Too, too power hungry, et cetera, et cetera, all the usual reasons. I, I still think that it's a mistake, and I'd love to see a camera-centric uh, top-end Windows Phone flagship, but I, I can see the argument that they need something that will 
Um, please, more of the people, more of the time, and not just Steve Litchfield in Reading. Um, I do think we will see a slightly higher resolution camera, and I think we'll see they'll get away with that without making the device thicker by having a larger sensor with a wider angle lens. So I think we'll be seeing 24 megapixel, roughly a 1 over 2.3 inch sensor, uh, an f over 1.9 aperture and wide angle Zeiss optics. I think they'll oversample it to 8 megapixel this time because that 5 figure is looking a tiny bit low compared to the competition. Um, and I think it'll have the, the usual next-gen 3-axis OIS, as on the Illumia 830, which is kind of flatter, and that means they can have a superb OIS performance um, without having a really thick camera. Um, if, with those stats I've just mentioned, that should give 2.5 times lossless digital zoom for stills, which is still very nice to have. I do think they'll go for, in, in line with the rumours we've been hearing from around the industry, they, they've already got had dual LED flash in most of the top-end Lumias for a couple years now. I think they're going to go to triple LED flash. I think that sounds about right. Mm. Three three LEDs, pulsed, very very short pulse and very high intensity. I think we'll get a long way towards what Xenon can do. Maybe it won't freeze motion in quite the same way, but it will certainly provide a lot more light. So uh, that's my guess for still photos, Ray. Yeah, I think that's a good call all round. I mean, what we're basically talking about here is really evolutionary improvements on the current camera module. But the, the important point here is it will be kind of a brand new camera module. It won't just be a copy from the 1520 and the 930 into this new device. And I think, you know, identifying those kind of small iterative improvements will add up to be quite a big deal. And it's sort of, uh, you know, we've seen the kind of same thing with the Samsung devices where they've moved on yeah. and actually got very close to being the best camera phones on the market. And certainly you can make that argument. Um, I still think that uh, Microsoft will look to try and push that as much as possible. And in all of this, we probably shouldn't rule out the software side of things. That's going to be really critically important. Um, aside from kind of tuning for the new module, I think they'll continue to push this uh, computational photography. And, you know, you, you've got in your article things like um, being able to do the moments extraction from 4K video capture. Maybe we'll touch on video capture in a, in a, in a little bit. But I think we'll see more that it's difficult to pick out any one thing, but I think they'll be fine tuning kind of that rich capture mode. And potentially you could actually add in some more uh, kind of rich capture scenarios and so, or at least fine tune the ones that you've got. And so, you know, it gets that perfect picture more of the time and is a more forgiving camera. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of, you know, something brand new being introduced, some bit of innovation that we don't know about that. And it could be something, you know, in the way that the, the sensor works. It could be something in the uh, lens assembly. Um, you know, think of things like optical image stabilization when that was introduced. That was kind of a new thing. And it's entirely possible we'll see something like that come along. There certainly have been developments in sensor technology whether they're kind of mainstream and got to the point where they can be introduced and i'm actually thinking about things that can uh effectively pack more sensors in or or more receptors into a smaller space and potentially stack them on top of each other and there is certainly room for improvement there but you could also you know i don't think we'll see something like the Lytro camera that kind of um depth of field things but it's entirely possible that you could see more evolutions in that space and you know, we've seen cameras that do 3D capture. I don't think that will happen. It's a, a bit on the gimmicky side, but um, don't rule it out. And certainly uh, Microsoft or Nokia have form in this area as being the ones to often introduce new camera technology for the first time. Um, if you look at the kind of the chipset that's likely to be powered by this, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more as well, um, there are more and more things that are going into the processor that kind of uh, improve the ability to do image processing and 
that can be things around Zoom. And if you're doing it natively on the silicon, that just means improved performance. So I would also expect the performance of this uh, camera phone to be, you know, absolutely tip top. Um, we've already seen a big leap forward, of course, with the denim updates, but you know, yeah. maybe that will go on a little bit more. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing a little bit more around kind of that around capture moments. And so things like sweep Pamarana, for example, could come in. We've certainly seen it on plenty of other devices. And it's kind of one of those areas where the kind of the panorama function on the uh, Lumia devices really isn't up to much by comparison. Um, so I think there's a lot of possibilities there. And you, you did also identify the um, front camera as potentially getting a, a bit of an upgrade. I'm not sure that's going to get a massive boost. Um, I think that's actually already pretty good on the existing devices, but it might well be used for more things. And uh, I think you mentioned iris unlocking, which is an interesting one, but maybe yeah. we'll come on to biometrics in a moment. Uh, did you have anything sort of to think about on the video side of things, Steve? Well, just to say that I, at the moment, the 930, 1522 4K video capture, I really can't think anyone's going to want to go beyond that. I know the, the maybe the chipsets probably can go beyond 4K, but that's already an insane resolution for video that almost no one can actually watch back with any in any meaningful way. So I think that will stay at 4, 4K. Um, we should just mention that if if with the rich capture, which I agree they will introduce more scenarios for more intelligent use of that. I did do a whole feature on the, the hidden cost of rich capture, which so perhaps you can link to that in the show notes. Mm. We'll search it out on Google. But that, that that does involve a certain storage overhead. So, for example, you might take a photo that would normally take a, uh, a couple of megabytes. By the time you've got the, 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 the oversampled version and the original, and then you've got uh, two or three versions from the HDR bracketed shots taken by Rich Capture. All of a sudden, you're looking at up to 30 megabytes per image. Now, I did say in the article that I think the Lumia 940 will come at, with 64 gigabytes as standard internal storage with no micro SD. Um, I'm kind of basing on that on the fact they like their, their aluminium chassis with as few s- slots and trays as possible. And in line with the other flagships, really, things like the Galaxy S6 and the, the iPhones, all the premium devices, they all have, uh, you choose the amount of storage and you have a sealed device, you can't expand it. But it's you, there's usually enough there that you don't need to. And I think they'll go down that route. I think they'll have just come one device, 64 gigabyte, which will, of course, make the device slightly more expensive out of the gate. But I, th- I think it'll be worth it and it fits in with the premium nature of the 940, do you think? Yeah, I mean, given that the, the cost has come down for things like that flash memory, I think 64 gigabytes is a good bet. At the very least, there will be a variant uh, of, of that kind. And if, you know, you are pushing up the kind of the capture, especially 4K video, and as we say, rich capture photography, it, it, it's kind of needed. Uh, part of me goes, though, if you look at uh, usage that most people don't use more than about 20 gigabytes. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see uh, 32 gigabytes. But as you say, if you do look at the other flash, flagships it's kind of becoming more standard now although there are plenty of examples where it hasn't quite got there um i think you're probably right there won't be micro sd because um you know that's that seems to be a thing which which kind of surprises me because in, in many ways it's on those high-end devices maybe that's where it wanted and i've certainly appreciated it on the 830 it means i've kept a a lot more media around yeah but uh, it, it does actually hint at another area i guess we should talk about which is materials and honestly, I think it will be the design of this device and the materials that it uses that kind of makes it stand out from the mid-tier. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to be about being very thin, but it is going to be that maybe it'll be a, a premium unibody design um, with uh, metal. Uh, although, you know, again, if you look to the past of the Lumia family, there has been kind of use of plastics pioneered. That feels maybe a little bit 
not past it now, but um, certainly if you look at something like the 930 and the 830, there has been that move to kind of mixed materials. And there's certainly a possibility about doing something interesting there. You know, could you come up with new nano coatings or kind of the self-healing backs? Yeah, that's absolutely a possibility. Uh, and, you know, don't rule out something a, a bit more interesting in terms of materials either. You know, it's another area where potentially you can, on a flagship, which doesn't have quite the same unit volumes as some of the other devices, you can more easily do it when, you know, the supply constraints are perhaps easier to deal with. Um, but I think that's actually going to be more about when you do things like milling out a, a unibody metal device, that takes a lot, that, that costs more. There are more stages in assembly. You know, if you look at the typical mid-tier device, it will have maybe 100 to 150 stages in the assembly process. If you look at the higher-end devices, quite often that can be, you know, anything up to 300 stages. And, you know, that makes obviously a difference to how much it costs to not only um, kind of build the device in terms of the amount of time, obviously that does have a kind of impact on the component cost because basically the more things you have, the, the longer it's going to take um, and the, the more it's going to cost. Uh, the end result, though, is often something that, that's a bit more elegant, that makes less compromises in the design. So that's what I expect from the, the Lumia 940. I actually think, you know, in, in common with the other flagships I've seen this year, you know, the Samsung S6, the HTC One M9, what's actually made them stand out is not so much the components, although there's a kind of an element of that. It's actually more the design, that feel in the hand. And it'll be really interesting to see what Microsoft comes up with because, you know, they've got a real job on their hands to kind of, you know, stand out against those devices, which I think quite rightly have been lauded uh, for their design when you compare them to some of the kind of preceding devices. And uh, it, it feels like there's a lot more competition. It, you know, always used to be that the iPhone was the phone to talk about in terms of design. And, um, you know, Nokia often got a, a look in because it was, it did something different and quite distinctive devices. Uh, but now uh, there's other manufacturers doing that as well. There are, of course, still that that massive amount of sort of very average, boring plastic and glass or metal and glass devices. So um, I'm kind of optimistic that we might see something a little bit different. But we'll have to wait and see on that one because that's much harder to much yeah. harder to predict. You know, typically um, uh, in the Lumia family, he's introduced a new color with the flagship devices, so we might well see the first of the kind of 2014, 2015 colors. So. Whether that means the end of orange and green, I don't know, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the blue <laughs> that was introduced with the 640 be one of the options on the 940, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of expecting them to stick roughly with the same um, design and build of the 930, if only because um, I'm expecting this to have Qi charging built in, mm. um, and that which is absolutely essential really in a top-end Lumia. And uh, Samsung got away with it by making the back of their S6 glass, which is kind of a backward step because that's just going to get smashed. Um, and if you make a, a unibody device like the HTC One M9 or the iPhone, you can't have Qi charging by definition because the the, the EM right. waves don't go don't, don't pass through metal. So if you're going to have Qi charging, you've really got to stick to a a plastic back. Now the 930, mine actually creaks slightly, but then I have messed around with it quite a bit. I suspect most 930s are built rather better and don't creak, and I think the 930 is a pretty solid device really. So I'm hoping to see roughly the same design. Um, now, NFC, of course, I just mentioned. Uh, the processor, we should mention, the Snapdragon 810 is the one that's t hotly tipped for being in the Lumia 940. Um, we have seen all sorts of devices um, being tested as running really quite hot 
with the 810, and I'm presuming that's at the, the 810's maximum clock speed. I'm kind of wondering whether Microsoft can do something in terms of just underclocking it very slightly, you know, maybe to setting a maximum of 2.4 gigahertz, say something along those lines, just to stop the chipset overheating too much and to keep it manageable. That's one possibility. Uh, the other way you can do it, of course, is kind of have it, have it dynamically clocked in that you will change it up and down depending on, on what you're doing. And you may only allow kind of that peak performance for a, a limited set of time in order to manage the thermal budget. But of course, that's another reason for kind of having a, a plastic device. You can actually sometimes manage the, uh, do the thermal engineering more easily. And typically the hottest devices are the ones with the all metal designs. Um, but the reason they get so hot, of course, is because it's doing more and more. And I think the Snapdragon 810, it's kind of an interesting, uh, SOC if you think about it, because it's really a response to what Apple did with the iPhone movement of a 64-bit architecture and Qualcomm have effectively bought something in in order to fill in a gap and it's not really their true next generation chipset we're not going to see that until the 820 this time next year uh, so I, I don't want to be too horrible about the 810 because actually it's really just about the cause and actually there's an awful lot of interesting technology in it around the uh, around the processor and it's starting to introduce this kind of idea, I guess, of cognitive processing. The, the fact that you can do a lot of intelligence on the SOC before you even get kind of higher up the software stack. Uh, Qualcomm has talked about some of the examples of that. Um, and some, a lot, a lot of the examples typically range around imaging, which I think, uh, Microsoft already have a lot of technology in. It'll be interesting to see whether they can kind of build on the top of that. And it's, it's things like, you know, better, uh, dynamic zoom or better processing um what isn't always obvious on all of these devices is you know there's actually a combination of both the technology from qualcomm and what it's doing kind of at the silicon level and then that added to what um microsoft do at a relatively low level and that's before you kind of get into the higher levels of the window phone platform where things start becoming more common and that's why you do see such big difference between devices that uh, are be running on very similar hardware um you know, the things that we've seen introduced kind of in the latter half of the 930, the 1520, like the ability to say, hey, Cortana, have that always on microphone, that audio response. I think that's going to be improved. We'll see that sort of become front and center. And it's entirely possible that we'll see other sensors sort of uh, on all the time. We've already seen it with sensor core and that's for kind of the accelerometer. But I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of gets extended to a few more places and just that management of uh, kind of the power and the processing, you know, those always on tasks are going to become, I think, more common. Um, I don't want to sort of get into too many specifics about that, uh, mainly because it's quite hard to predict and, and say what, what's going to do. It's not just new stuff, but it's doing the stuff it's already doing if more efficiently. And so, you know, it will be um, better at managing the power budget, which is a fancy way of saying the battery life will you know, last longer with these devices, despite maybe setting, stepping up the processing and stepping up the amount of uh, RAM. And actually, I guess battery is something we should talk about in a bit. But yes, I do agree with you on the yeah. Qi charging. I think we'll probably see Quick Charge 2.0 on these devices and uh, Microsoft talking about that um, extensively for the first time. That's basically a technology which, again, has been in some other flagship devices that allows you to charge the battery more quickly. You've already got Quick Charge 1.0 in uh, most of the current uh, Lumia devices. And Quick Charge 2.0 just means you can effectively recharge up to about 40% of the battery, depending on capacity, in around 30 minutes. Um, it, the benefits kind of tail off as you get further towards a full battery, but that's a pretty big deal. 
And the one thing to note is you do actually need a specialist charger to go with it because there's actually basically brains in both the phone and the uh, charger that says, I can deal with a, a higher charging rate. Please, please give it to me now. Um, and it's interesting, quite a lot of manufacturers have had this in their phones, but actually either haven't switched it on or haven't put a, a quick charge 2.0 compatible charger in the box. Um, I think Samsung is one of those companies that has done it, certainly in some markets, but I think it's uh, companies like LG have had it, but kind of haven't really taken advantage of it. So be interesting to see whether Microsoft kind of makes some noise around that. Um, there are quite a few of those technologies that kind of sit on the SOC, that's uh, system ownership, that's the processor, that um, can potentially be switched on and off. And, you know, we could see this around the biometric stuff. I mean, for example, at Mobile World Congress, uh, Qualcomm was showing off its new fingerprint sensor technology that was using ultrasonics. That's a big deal because it's actually kind of a more reliable way of doing a fingerprint. It's kind of than the kind of the swipe sensors we've seen and even the kind of touch capacitive sensors that we've seen on the iPhone. With the ultrasonics, it can actually go through glass, it can go through metal, it can go through plastic. So you can actually hide the sensor within the phone. It doesn't really compromise the design so much. And uh, it's actually also capable of basically being more accurate in the way it scans things. It can go right down to kind of sweat pore level. And in theory is um, more accurate, more secure, more forgiving about the environments in which you could, can do it in. Qualcomm's presumably looking for a partner to launch this with, so it wouldn't be entirely out of the as well to see them do it with uh, Microsoft and this new flagship Lumia device. And I do think biometrics in general, and whether that's fingerprint or scanning, and you mentioned uh, Microsoft Hello at the beginning there, and having that tied in the platform level and being able to do use it for getting into apps and for mobile payments. That's going to be a big thing in 2015, not just on Windows Phone and Lumia, but right across the board. You know, we've seen how effective it's been with uh, Touch ID on the Apple iPhone. You know, Samsung have put a new fingerprint sensor on the S6, and it just feels to me that that's the right time for it to arrive on on Windows Phone. So if I was going to make kind of one more, one kind of a bit out there bet, that you know hasn't been leaked hasn't been talked about it would be to see that kind of new qualcomm fingerprint sensor on the on the flagship lumia device but it could equally uh, be some other biometric thing uh, i think as you said in the article steve iris recognition is a possibility you know zte were showing that off at mwc as actually was fujitsu and kind of a development device there's several ways you can do that uh, zte were actually scanning that using kind of the front camera to take a picture of your eyes and then looking at the blood vessels in the white part of your eyes whereas fujitsu was actually genuinely scanning the iris and the iris stuff is um more unique i think than the blood vessel patterns uh, and you can do it by taking a camera or you can do it with infrared in which case it works better in low light conditions and if you're like me wear glasses um, there's a lot of kind of uncertainty around that i have to say i'm not kind of up to date on all the biometric technology so i'm not sure what will work best but i i suspect you know in contrast to the way it was done with the s5 Microsoft would have thought very carefully about how to put biometrics on a device and won't have just done it in a, a gimmicky way. They'll want to sort of take the same route that Apple did with a touch idea and only add it when it kind of actually adds value to the device and works reliably every time without too many uh, many problems. But uh, I'm sure someone will write in and say biometrics aren't as uh, secure as sometimes people uh, think they are. There's certainly uh, been people spoofing touch ID and no doubt that will uh, come up again. But yes, uh, biometrics is kind of the big new hardware innovation in the Lumia line. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if you add up everything we just mentioned in the last 25 minutes, that's quite a pretty decent upgrade for both the current Lumia 930. I did estimate in my article, Rafe, this is my guesstimate of price, 
Um, they, they normally announce in, in euros plus local taxes, and I think it'll be something like 550. I think in the UK it'll start off sim free at 499, and as usual, come down to about 449 within three or so months or so. Uh, but most people will get the Lumi 940 on contract, I suspect, being at this top end of the market, and especially a Windows phone, in which case it'll be the usual £35 a month in the UK with a normal £100 upfront. Does that sound about the right sort of level? Yeah, it does sound right to me. I mean, the interesting thing recently, uh, Microsoft and Nokia before it has always kind of undercut its competition slightly on pricing for its premium flagship phone. They've done that partly by maybe being just slightly behind on some of the processor technology. And you know, if they were trying to sell it now with the uh, Qualcomm 810 kind of at a premium, I suspect they wouldn't be able to make that cost difference. And uh, partly they've made uh, savings elsewhere as well. So yes, uh, I think that's probably spot on. It will probably be maybe a hundred pounds less than the directly comparable flagship from some of its uh, competitors. But no doubt, that's always a bit of a dangerous thing to say. But of course, what does uh, directly comparable mean? But uh, I don't expect it to command, c- command quite the same premium that something like the, say, the iPhone 6 Plus or the Samsung S6 Edge does. I guess that could apply to something like the uh, 940XL. And there's all, all, always a possibility that that's kind of you know, put on the market as just a bit more premium, whether that's extra internal memory or just some little upgrade somewhere that remains to be seen. Of course, I think the other thing we should talk about, Steve, is that this will actually be running Windows 10 out of the box, and there's going to be an enormous software upgrade. Now, part of that goes away, of course, because other devices will then get that uh, same Windows 10 a little bit later on. Yeah. Of course, it's always the case that you know that new flagship device tends to get it first and quite often have a couple of months head start on everybody else. But I do think it's worth highlighting, and of course, the uh, hardware is going to be optimized for Windows 10 rather than anything else. And so that has an impact on performance and battery life. So that is a big deal. Of course, it's the whole one Windows message. There's going to be an upgrade to a lot of the apps. So we're going to see a lot of changes in come with the universal apps. And there's probably things that we don't know about yet that are, are going to come in as a result. I mean, even if you look at the preview version of uh, Windows 10 for phones, it's obvious that there's still a lot of changes coming. There's kind of debates over burger and waffle menus going on at the moment so it'll be interesting to see how those are resolved but actually it's uh, in some ways i think the software will be the biggest update particularly if you're kind of switching in for the first time or not coming from a handset that's been upgraded to to run windows 10 in in some way um will there be anything that's just unique to this device probably not um or at least uh, if it is it will be for a relatively short period of time because i think um it's not going to be so far ahead that uh, it will sort of be able to do things that other phones can't, but, but maybe I'll be proved wrong. But what is important is it will be a brand new hardware family. And what I mean by that is it's kind of, we've been talking about the Snapdragon 810, the whole, all the components around it will also be upgraded. So that means things also like the uh, the radio in it. So it may be uh, supporting some extra LTE bands or going up to kind of LTE Cat 6 or you know, some extra bit of specification. And most of the time, you're not going to notice it, to be quite honest, as the average user. But it'll just be that little bit more future-proof. I mean, Steve suggested three gigabytes of RAM in his uh, article, and it may well be kind of moving up to kind of that next generation of uh, RAM, you know, LDGPR 3 or 4, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, It's difficult to get excited about those in some ways, because actually, I think kind of uh, specs and speed, you know, those kind of raw things matter much less now than experience and features it always used to be that it was exciting to get a slightly fast phone because it, it, it made an obvious difference but you look at much of the hardware now and actually 
if there are improvements they're iterative and even then it's, it's sometimes difficult to tell the difference and certainly i look at you know some of the new flagships that have come in running the snapdragon 810 even on android which you know it doesn't make the best of the resources it has available at times on its flagship devices they aren't obviously quicker or faster than the kind of flagships from the preceding year and i i, I expect it will apply to windows phone even more which is uh, you know so efficient in the way it runs things that often you're hard pressed to tell the difference between a snapdragon 400 and 800 unless you you know put it through uh, a very specific set of tasks and uh, you know as uh, i think that will apply to the 810 as well but a new hardware family is always exciting because it does open up that possibility for new hardware enabled things we've gone through a whole bunch of them uh, in this in this kind of preview and probably worth saying i don't expect all of these by any means to make it we're kind of making best guess and talking about what might happen uh, but I think there's a good chance that you'll get a good portion of these. Yeah. Now, in my role as glossarist, and yes, I may well have made that word up, um, you mentioned the, a, a hamburger menu and a waffle menu. And, and a hamburger menu, I presume, is the three lines. What the heck is a waffle menu? The, the waffle menu is when you've got three dots. It's the thing you typically see on Windows Phone at the moment. Uh, it's not a term I made up. I've seen it used uh, <laughs> in, in a couple of places. Yeah, the menu button may be a better way to talk about it. <laughs> Um, and actually, I'm I'm definitely a fan of the waffle menu being located in the bottom right on Windows Phone. I think yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I really dislike the way that the hamburger menus are on the top screen of other devices, which if you've got relatively small hands like I have, can make it quite difficult to wield the devices on five inches and above. So for one-handed use, to me, that's absolutely essential. It's one of the things that helps me get... Uh, it's not keeping me up at night, and I'm not having nightmares about it, but certainly uh, gives me pause for concern that we've kind of seen... Some of the universal apps have hamburger menus in the kind of the top left-hand portion of the screen. I suspect that's just because it's early days. But uh, if anyone's uh, listening, and I have actually one bit of feedback I have submitted through the Insider program, please make sure that the uh, menus, be they hamburger, and honestly, I prefer the waffle, in the uh, bottom right-hand corner of the screen, please. Yeah, I'm going to introduce the term donut menus from now <laughs> I'm sure I can find some other yeah, edible that, treats to introduce into the interface. I'll see, if you just misnamed Cortana, that's the donut, clearly. <laughs> Except it's um, one without jam, which, you know, <laughs> maybe not the best kind of donut, but, uh, yeah, probably getting a bit off topic. Now, now, we're over the half an hour, Mark. I've got three or four things I wanted to cover briefly before we finish. Um, the Microsoft Band, which launched in the USA um, at the end of last year. This is kind of Microsoft's fitness stroke wearable stroke accessory. It's cross-platform, but I think it's designed to work best with Windows Phone. I think that's fair to say that. It's just announced today that it will be available in the UK. So we're going to actually get a look at this Microsoft Band for the very first time officially. No doubt you you guys have got them imported from the USA, but uh, we can pre-order them um, at £170, though, which seems quite steep from Microsoft stores and places like Amazon, Curry's, Dixon's, Harrods. I know too. Um, April the 15th, £170 does sound a tiny bit steep, right? It does because it's $199 in the US. And if you translate that, that suggests it should perhaps be nearer the £140, £150 mark. Um, I suspect that's a case of VAT just adding a little bit plus the usual kind of uh, British premium that we often pay for technology compared to the States. And can't really complain because actually a lot of countries pay a premium over that again for their own own tech. But this is uh, kind of, it's really intriguing because it's the Microsoft wearable, but um, I don't think it's got the most uh, uh, comfortable design in the world. But actually, particularly if you're into kind of 
I would say professional tracking if you're you know the sporty type or an athlete this offers a lot because it's one of the very few wearables actually with a, a standalone gps in it meaning that you can actually use it without the phone um, which if you're going running you may not want to be carrying that bit of equipment with you but also just the range of sensors it has uh, in it i mean it obviously does things like heartbeat and accelerometer but it's also got uh, 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 i think it's an electrical conductivity or um, galvanic response sensor in it it's got a uv sensor in it and it's got the kind of things like being able to vibrate it's kind of got a very strong range of sensors plus it does do notifications and it kind of uses the tile metaphor for doing some of these so yes um, i'm interested to get my hands on one of these um have to uh, wait and see and give you a kind of a rundown once we've uh, been able to use it for a little while um, but yes, arriving, as you say, in the UK, it's also going to be more generally available in the US. It's also going on to Amazon, Best Buy and some of the other e-retailers. Up until now, it's only been available through the Microsoft Store and actually uh, it's been available in relatively limited supplies. I think because Microsoft originally kind of put it out there as a bit of an experimental product and it's turned out to be a little bit more popular than they were expecting. Um, and actually, it, it wins plaudits from me as well for being cross-platform. It will also work with an Android and a iPhone, which um, given that uh, a lot of them tend to be specific to one, you know, you've got Apple Watch, obviously people are talking about, and then the Android Wear devices. This is actually one, if you're a, a smartphone fan who switches platforms regularly, might well appeal. You know, you get a lot of the benefits of the notification. You can actually kind of put a, a permanent clock on your, your wrist um, and, you know, you can get the exercise tracking and the weather and things like that as well. Um, and on Windows Phone, you kind of get the extra features. It will integrate with uh, Cortana, a certain amount of uh, voice recognition features available. It's been interesting to note there's been software updates that have added additional features. I think my favorite one is actually kind of quick read where it will... Uh, once you get an incoming message, you can press the action button and it will then read through the message or rather, I should say, display the message one word at a time, which means you can kind of do a speed reading. It's kind of a well-known technique, um, surprisingly effective when someone showed it to me. Um, so I suspect there'll be more of those software updates and they also have done an SDK. So there's third party apps becoming to becoming available once for customizing the look of it and you can get the big picture of the day on it for example you can use it as a torch you can add additional tiles and i think we're given that the sdk was out relatively recently we're going to see quite a bit more activity around that and so uh you know yes quite interesting that windows phone has got a wearable that has quite a bit going for it um and it isn't kind of in the the mode of the watch um i would have liked to see kind of a revision to see it a slightly more elegant design because it, it's quite industrial it feels quite prototypey um, but i guess uh, beggars can't be choosers i'm certainly looking forward to trying it out it's yeah, certainly a watch it tells the time it you... does it does <laughs> but uh yes i kind of meant in the kind of uh, watch form factor this yeah. is more of a, a it very definitely is a band and actually in some ways that's one of the things that really appeals about it to me because yeah. it, it's not a big clunky watch and uh, i kind of don't wear a watch anymore and haven't for a long time and I, i've tried out a couple of the uh Android Wear devices, but they weren't really for me. Um, no doubt I'll try and uh, see if I can borrow an Apple Watch uh, at some point and give that a go as well. Uh, but having kind of a similar band that's really based around notifications as much as anything else, a companion screen, if you will, actually for, for me appeals more personally than kind of the fully fled, fledged watch. But um, yeah. don't want to rush to judgment on that one. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, we are going to get a loan Microsoft band from uh, Microsoft as soon as they're available in the UK. So hopefully we can do a formal review 
on site. Um, I have three applications I want to mention very, very brief, briefly before we finish. One, Aries. It's a, a brand new Twitter client. I, I've waited a couple of weeks until it's fully mature, but I think it, it is now. And I've done a full write-up on the site. Just very briefly, Rafe, you can allowed to say no if you want. Have you tried Aries? <laughs> I haven't tried think? Aries, despite what I said last week, but I promise between now and the next podcast, I will download it and give it a go. There we are. Okay. Also, Cast Center, which is yet another podcatcher. So, two very crowded app genres, but Cast Center works really well. It's it's very polished. You get three podcasts and a trial version, and then it's about one pound fifty or one pound sixty to unlock it for as many podcasts as you want. Um, comparatively few bugs, and virtually every feature out of the box, including variable speed playback, which is, as far as I know, unique in terms of the third-party podcatchers so far. Do you, do you ever listen to podcasts at different speeds, Rafe, and have you tried this? Yeah, I've tried this because I've used uh, podcatchers on other clients, and if you're kind of pushed for time, it can be quite useful. You have to be careful about how much you kind of increase the playback speed, and it does depend on the, the podcast, but some of them can end up sounding a little bit on the squeaky side. I've actually seen a couple of podcasting applications that also do pitch shifting to try and get around that that problem. I guess it depends on the type, style of podcast you listen to. If it's anything like uh, us on the All About Windows Phone Insight podcast, we do tend to talk quite quickly anyway and hopefully don't need much speeding up, but there certainly are some podcasters that have a more relaxed style and wouldn't hurt if you speeded them up a bit, just like that phrase, hopefully. You get get the idea anyway. So, yeah, that's a nice feature to have. Yeah, okay. And uh, I had, I do have to head out very quickly, so I'm going to make this last one lightning quick. The Audible application, which hasn't seen uh, any action on Windows Phone for almost 18 months now, they've been uh, starting up a, a beta track, Rafe, an Audible a beta version, and it works a, a lot more slickly. The interface has been freshened up, and it's a lot more reliable in terms of actually playing back the audible, audible books, which I guess is the object of the exercise. Have you been trying the beta? I haven't been trying the beta, but I'm going to have to give this a go because uh, I actually gave up on Audible because I just didn't get on with the app terribly well. It was an interesting case of where I liked the service, but just couldn't really quite live with the app, and so it went cancelled it. But uh, I'd be willing to give it another go if they've uh, updated their app. So I'll try it and report back in a future podcast. Yeah, I seem to be giving you lots of homework this week. Sorry about that, but um, you've been spending too long in the iOS iOS world, right? I I have. Well, I mean, I've, I've been at MWC, been trying out all sorts of things and kind of trying to understand what was going to happen with the Apple Watch, which uh, instantly, if you want my kind of one-line summary on it, I think it's a really interesting device, but it doesn't stand out quite in the way that some of the other Apple products have in the past. I'm not sure that actually matters because I don't think it's you know the same kind of technology-led product. This is very much about something that's kind of desirable and people want to kind of experience and see on their on their wrist. And it's actually in that sense, it's where wearables are going to kind of either you be a fashion item or you try and be invisible, um, and you kind of see uh, some uh, companies going the invisible approach by integrating into existing products. That's like putting a Know, smart socks or uh, soles in your shoes or by putting the smartness in the band of an existing watch. We've seen um, a couple of uh, companies try that and actually Pebble are doing something similar with their smart bands or you go go the fashion route and we've seen Huawei do that with their uh, watch announcement and Apple I think is much the same vein but it's such a nascent space there's so much going on that it's actually quite difficult to come to any meaningful conclusions and there aren't any analogs you can dr- directly draw from the rest of the world. Um, you know I would contrast that to the iPhone, the tablet, where you could actually see and potentially guess at the, the market size. Um, yeah, so I will I will try and endeavour to do a little bit more Windows Phone stuff uh, this week, Steve, so that I don't get into trouble on the next podcast. 
We wouldn't want that. And right, I do have to head out of here. So thank you ever so much, for people, for listening to this Insight podcast. We'll try and get back to you next week with another one. In the meantime, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week.